Hello and welcome to the Advanced Greeting. My name is Justin Corbett and I am joined as always by my regular co-host Tom Kelly. How are you, Tom? Mate, it's my dear. Give me it, the medicine. Let's fucking go. Um, you're a little excited. Is that because of something that's uh, on TV in the background? Oh, no. Oh, well, I am cu- currently uh, picturing, picturing Australia and India and Souths and Penrith. <laughs> Uh, which one's better? Um, I've, I've got the cricket as the big with the audio, but Latrell's just put on a try. Um, you know, I'm just classic white Anglo sort of Saxon legacy media at the moment. You know what I mean? No NBA for me. <laughs> well, that should mean you would be disappointed if Uzi scores his 100 and he's currently on 98. <laughs> that, that's dad core. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're, we're, we are the, we're the generation that's trying to redeem it, but the, the generation <laughs> after us doesn't give a fuck about any of it. <laughs> um, apart from the cricket and souse, what have you been watching lately? Uh, good question. So I've obviously Last of Us, uh, last two episodes of Mando that's come back. I have been watching Hello Tomorrow, as I talked about a little bit in the last. Oh episode. yeah. Started watching Daisy and the Six on Amazon, which I've really enjoyed. Um, I can't think of anything else at the moment. How's um? Give me give me one minute on Hello Tomorrow because. We talked about it as a show to hype up this year, but I haven't actually watched it yet. Well, I have a take uh, on Apple TV that actually the there's there's something going on about the peop about who is greenlighting these projects because whoever is running like Apple TV projects, it's almost like they love the fucking moon, man. They fucking love Foundation. <laughs> They're doing for all mankind, and now it's got like. A weird Death of the Salesman show about living on the fucking moon. They love fucking space. <laughs> and they, they could have made that show about anything. It's like, no, no, we're going to make it about selling timeshares on the moon. Moon, but but like, they fucking love space. But also, I've noticed this like where Shrinking and Ted Lasso, made by the same people, but it's exactly the same fucking show. Um, and then the other one is like they also like just going down to Colombia, like zero 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 and <laughs> um, uh, Mosquito Coast and shit like that. I read a good article today, uh, and you'll love this because you don't love Ted Lasso, about how Ted Lasso was kind of the death of the comedy, where it's yes. like we don't necessarily need to be funny anymore; we just need to be heartwarming and nice. It's it's not a comedy; it's it's something else. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't laugh out loud. You just find yourself smiling the whole time. That's not a comedy, then. Wh- That's what, not a comedy. Wh- what do we call that? We should come up with F- a name. For feel that. good TV, smiley TV, smiley TV. Oh, that sounds Smi- like <laughs> smiley TV sounds like a free streamer. <laughs> uh, coming to you from MSNBC Peacock, then you paid for streaming service, smiley TV. Um. I've actually been really liking Daisy and the Six. I know I did read a review where it was almost like, oh, there's everything you've seen this before, um, almost famous sort of stuff. But apparently they get famous in this. Um, and it's a much-loved sort of New York Times bestseller. Um, I thought it was based on a true story, but it's a no, fictional novel. Yeah, it's made up. But um, it's really good so far. Like, I think everything's in it is rather predictable. Um, but the production is really high. I like this idea of this period drama of like 1970s US LA rock scene. Um, it's really fun. Like, yeah, it's going to get really sad and soon, I assume, because I think the breakup is the big deal. But I've watched the first three episodes and I really enjoyed it when I didn't think I would enjoy it at all. 
And that's on Amazon? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Amazon um, have also got a really weird um, show with Christopher Waltz where he's a consultant for a gaming studio and it's the weirdest fucking trailer I've ever seen and it's listed as comedy and it's almost like, that don't look like <laughs> comedy, mate. It's good. I, I have seen the consultant. It's the consultant, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the trailer as well and I didn't laugh a lot, but um, <laughs> hey, if, they, if, the, if they're going to pitch it as a comedy, I'm going to check it out to see where the laughs come from. Maybe it's uh, part of Smiley TV. Smiley <laughs> TV. <laughs> Uh, are we going to be uh, I, like uh, an offshoot of Smiley TV? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to do the official podcast like HBO does, but we'll be the official Smiley TV podcast. Um, for a free streamer. What, for a free, no, it's uh, it's Peacock's payment offshoot. Ad supported? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like free TV or whatever it's called. Free view. It's like TV. Yeah, it's back to normal TV, but yeah. you get it on your laptop instead. Sure. Uh, I actually went back and rewatched Station Eleven because my partner hadn't seen oh, it. Oh, okay, right, yeah. Which uh, you and I both loved. Uh, mm. Don't need to give it much reviews. It's kind of Last of Us, but with more optimism and happiness. And like the the tagline for it is survival is insufficient. Essentially, talking about what do you do when the world ends and the leftover people have to rebuild. There's very little people on people violence. There's very not much of that. Just kind of let's try to be good and be better after the world ended. So Station Eleven, and I watched uh, Watcher, uh, the new film on Netflix last night, which, which was really, that? really good. It's only just come out. It's about a girl who goes to Bucharest with her partner, an American oh, girl. Oh, it's got the, the guy from Partizan, and he's been in yes. the James Bond movie, isn't he? Yeah, Bern Gorman. Um, and that was really good. It's like 90-minute thriller about a girl who thinks someone's watching her and starts to get creeped out. Um, so that was awesome. It's like an espionage sort of thriller? No, nah, no. Nah, she's just, she just moves there and doesn't have a job yet. So she spends all her time in her apartment and some guy just keeps staring at her from across the across the alleyway and shit goes crazy from there. Okay. So let's talk about the two big shows, the um, Pedro Pascal uh, double um the double Pretty feature, much him. Really, isn't the, it? The, the double feature of him just looking after a child. I want to do Mandalorian first because we... Can he do like the reboot of Kindergarten Cop? Is that like maybe his next <laughs> oh, Get thing? him buff. That's such a good idea. <laughs> um, Who would you have as the child though? Oh no, well, what's, no what's the premise of Kindergarten Cop again? Arnie's a cop that has to pretend to be a kindergarten teacher to catch a killer because one of the children is the killer's son or something. Which is the one where Arnie gives birth to a child? Oh, Junior. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we need to do a Junior rewatch. <laughs> okay, do you want to launch into Mando maybe? Oh, I do. Um, I put this on my hype list for, the, for this year. Uh, the first two seasons, really good. Uh, we're two episodes into Mando. And so spoilers for the first two episodes. I am wondering if it's not good anymore. Oh, okay. So can I pick up on that? Because I didn't really like the first episode at all. I thought it was predictable, yada, yada, yada sort of thing. But at the same time, I sort of understand why they did that because Amanda's been off screen for two years. Did anybody really pay attention to Book of Boba Fett where... 
second half of Book of Boba Fett is pretty much Mando episodes. That was going to be my first question. Was yeah. if you Do if you, want- you only like the Mandalorian and you didn't watch Book of Boba Fett and you come in to watch season three real excited, are you just kind of like he's with what the happened kid to again? Luke? Yeah, that's so weird. Um, so yeah, sorry you were saying. I can understand. I didn't like the first episode, but I can understand the decisions that they made. I was watching the first minute. I was almost like, oh my God, are we going to get another fucking flashback here? But I did like the little misdirection where we think the guy in the lake that's almost getting his like Mandalorian christening or he's, he's reading the, the creed. And we all think, well, oh, that's just baby Mando. But then actually, no, Mando comes in, saves the day and kills the crocodile so he's now steve Irwin of the galaxy apparently <laughs> um i like that but there was a couple of things during the first two episodes where someone's like oh we had to rock up to tatooine oh we had to go and see grief cargo it's almost like these felt quite superfluous and i actually really like the second episode because once that started moving on uh mandalore that he's gone there to like fix this creed because he's got to bathe in the waters he's got to bathe he's got to get a wash and Katie Sagoff with yep. as Bo-Katan, who is the best thing in this fucking show. And I think it's going to get a increased profile, obviously just because her character is important in the sense of law, but also on top of that, because they've lost their female badass because she tweeted some stuff about Nazis <laughs> and yep. the pandemic. So obviously that she's going to have taking up that whole space. Does, does that, does that make sense? Yeah. I um no you go. I watched the first episode and had the same feeling as you and was like, oh, this is just place setter. This is okay. The second episode, if like just to go, just to really quickly step through it. So first episode ends, he goes and sees Bo-Katan. Second episode, he goes to Tatooine to fix a droid. He then goes back to Bo-Katan's system to go to Mandalore. He goes down a tunnel, comes back out, gets Baby Yoda, goes back down a tunnel, gets injured. Baby Yoda comes back out, gets Bo-Katan. She and Yoda go down the tunnel, save him, and then go down a different tunnel. And that's the whole episode, is people just going back and forth to the same things over and over again. It sounds like a video game. It's, oh, it's the, like little things in there are good, but the just the way they wrote it to get the people into the central location is like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I can understand that. I I was excited with what they were doing with the story of going to Mandalore and that we weren't going to get another placeholder episode in number two or just some sort of something was going on that we actually dove straight straight back into the core narrative of what's going on in season Mm. three, where it's almost like, oh, the Darksaber going back to Mandalore. Mandalore's fucked what's the geo and we're straight back into it we're on the planet surface i think one of the issues that i had with the episode even though like i didn't like episode one i did like episode two but the volume is just becoming so obvious not in a technical sense but in how it's shot compared after andor where andor we saw these enormous scale and wonderful scenery and actors in that and you could sort of feel that too mm. And then they're on this huge sort of destroyed planet. And there is a sense of scale in some of these sort of CGI scenes, but it feels very 
close, claustrophobic. You, you see the caves. seams. You see the seams where like this is kind of the limit of where the volume starts in the real world that they're on ends. So it's like you can see where they kind of had to stop the real set and start the the screens that are all around them. Do you think that's our problem that we're also self-aware of that? Or do you think it's almost like, like maybe it's just us, us are the problem. But at the same time, I thought that some of the shots that they could have done with the scale could have been really interesting and it felt so limited and claustrophobic. And I felt the best bit of it was when we actually got the huge wide shot when she dives into the water to go save Mando near the end. And you've got this wonderful wide shot of Bo-Katan going down, fire in water. What a great visual. <laughs> Jetpack in water. Yeah, how great. <laughs> but that lovely long shot where you see her and how big the waters are underneath the surface. And that was great, but it was almost like the rest of it feels so tight. I was almost like, it's Star Wars. It should feel grand. Yeah, know. and... Um... For anyone who doesn't know really quickly, the volume, when we say that, it essentially means instead of them acting in front of green screens and putting CGI behind them, they go to an area that has floor to ceiling 360 degree screens, like TV screens, essentially, and they pre-do the CGI and then act in front of the screens with cameras that can track their movement so it looks a lot more realistic than green screen. So that is obviously a lot better that they're doing that. But yeah, you can see the edges um, of it a bit. I wanted to ask before we wrap on Mando is um, are they overusing or underusing Baby Yoda? Because uh, I have a partner in my house who has never watched Star Wars and walked past the TV, ended up watching the whole first episode because of uh, Baby Yoda, Grogu. Can't call him Baby Yoda, Grogu. Even my partner pointed that out the other day. She was like, you can't, you sh- it's Grogu. So, like, did she sit down and watch it because she was almost like, oh, it's cute baby Yoda from memes and stuff? Or Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't even know it was from memes. It was just like, who is this cute little motherfucker? And why is he cooing so much? And he's doing flips now that he obviously learnt from Luke. I don't mind that. Like, it, that's not for me. Andor is our show. And there is a place for this where I've question where there is a place for some other star wars stuff within the world like sassy uh princess leia you know maybe princess leia um where like no i don't need to say that but like i get that it's people in it's a it's a hook whether baby yoda is doing a fair bit of heavy lifting in this show in episode two (laughs) i'm not sure but i i can understand what drives the show but i think for us three seasons in it's a bit more like and what yeah i liked i didn't like how much they would put in the camera on uh grogu to just coo and stare at things in wonder i'm like oh he's he's back they're overusing him but then when they actually used him to do something and fly his little hovercraft chair to go get bo-katan to save the mandalorian Jin din i was like Yep, uh, that's pretty good. Um, that's pretty awesome that they actually used him for something rather than just yeah. react shots. Sorry, I, I just got a bit distracted because Usman Khawaja scored a century in India. Pakistani-born Usman Khawaja. Who didn't get a visa to go Did, over in time. Didn't get a visa and has scored a century on the day where the 
Indian Prime Minister has held pretty much a pageant before the <laughs> test match on the ground with Anthony Albanese. The float that they went around in was magnificent. Um, I don't think Scott Morrison was really in the fetal position because that's a really great photo op he would have loved. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't you know have been I mean? invited though. <laughs> no, but like that, that's he just needed to stick around for another 18 months and got that. <laughs> and, and he could have died happy. And he would have been locked in for years. Um, so yeah, um, the Mandalorian... Sorry for that deviation. No, no, that's all right. The The Mandalorian didn't love the first two episodes. I think, like, I'm obviously not going to stop watching it. There's good things in it. It just felt like it, the writing was just kind of like up and down. Here we go. Walking back and forth, walking back and forth, which is fine. But it feels like now that they've, spoiler for the end, they've gone down and they've seen the giant mythosaur, which is a brilliant name for an animal. Um, right. I think uh, it's really going to step up a notch with the whole Mandalore plot, which I don't really fully know because I never watched Clone Wars, but I'll read some stuff. It'll seem important. I watched the last three episodes and I read Wikipedia and that's all I needed to know. And it was enough to get me like motivated to be almost like, oh, this is sort of a big deal. I'm sort of intrigued by this. Yeah. Um, did you want to move on to like the the big show? Oh, yeah. The I mean, how many times can we say that The Last of Us is the best show on TV and has been for a long time? Um, the episode that we didn't talk about, I thought was... Pretty good, but probably the weakest one, which is Ellie's uh, flashback episode. Um, good kind of character building and thought like, yeah, yeah, this is cool, but like not incredible. And then the most recent one with Ellie's solo adventure to, uh, I think his name's David uh, the Preacher. Um, I was so, so good. And just like, uh, I think it got, I think I read during the week, uh, 8.1 million viewers, which is like, another series high and another record breaker for HBO. So incredible. What did you think? Uh, I'm just really happy that Kings of Leon are still doing stuff. You know what I mean? (laughs) They're hanging out and was it, it was Silver Lake, wasn't it? They're they're still hanging out. Yep. You know, I'm really pleased they're still doing something after sex is on fire. Kings of Leon uh, at Silver Lake Amusement Park. Did you not pick up that like everybody, every man in that sort of tribe of people pretty much looked like the base yeah. or one of the guys <laughs> from Kings of Leon with their hair and the beards. Just real like, like gaunt faces, beards, straggly hair. It's 2008 over, all over again. I wanted to be there. It was great. <laughs> um, this um, is pretty close to the game again, right? Yeah. There's a couple differences. Actually, it's Joel, I think, gets shot or something. But I think the whole idea is like, it's, it's an NVIDIA game world where it's almost like you can get shot and then you can get a health pack and then you're okay again, where that's not realistic for a video game. Oh, no, so it's not realistic for a television show. It happened. Um, yeah, like, I tell you what, whatever's in that needle, give it to me because Joel was up and about so quick. I think Ellie's found a new way to actually inject antibiotics and that's by doing it straight <laughs> into the wound because you're not, you're not meant to she didn't know that you shouldn't do that and yet he was up and going really quickly um some grade a torture juice in that uh antibiotic kit so should we do a quick sort of debrief of what actually happened in the episode do you, do you want me to have a crack at that yeah yeah go up? for it so pretty much joel is fucked he's dying of sepsis uh, Ellie's almost like, well, we're going to starve. I need to go out and hunt. She goes and shoots an elk. 
Um, and then there is this tribe of people living in this resort town in the Colorado and the Rocky Mountains where it's winter and there's nothing to eat. And the, the, what is it? The line, the ground is so frozen that they cannot bury the dead. Yes. Uh, someone, think someone that, had I don't died. Think that's why they're burying the dead, though. Someone had so, died, and the priest says, uh, We can't bury the dead. The ground's too frozen. And everyone gives him some side eye, which will become important later. Venison, mate. Um, <laughs> and so these two guys, the preacher and his offsider, go out to also hunt. And then they run into Ellie. And Ellie's almost like, fuck off. This is my fucking thing. And they're like, it's okay. We can trade. And then the whole idea is they trade for medicine. But we get this idea that this David Preacher is sort of recognizing her as almost like, oh, I, what's up? What's with the deal with every sort of like middle-aged guy in this show recognizing Ellie's a leader, but she's just the biggest badass. Yeah, apparently all it takes to be a leader is to yell at people a lot and call them bitches and cunts. It's almost like... Fuck you. And yeah. it's almost like, oh my God, you've got such leadership. Ability. You know how to throw some <laughs> lip at people. Be our boss. Um, and so that sort of happens. Um, then they come back. They, they sort of try to sabotage and then they, they don't. They give her the medicine when they easily couldn't off. So I think David's there trying to gain her trust. But then we later find out that back in the camp of the people... I know this is quite long-winded, but it's a, they are packing so much into this episode because really, in the game, this takes about four hours and they try to get it down to 50 minutes. Okay. So that's why it's almost like Joel was up and about so quick. Sorry. And then so the person that Joel had killed back in... Where was the university again? Uh, oh, down the road two episodes ago. Yeah, doesn't matter. Um, the person that Joel killed there who stabbed Joel, um, it's them pretty much. And so the whole idea is that he's got a grieving uh, wife and daughter and then David, who's the camp leader, is almost like, well, we'll, we'll get revenge on these people. We'll, get, we'll kill him. And so they go out, they get Ellie. Um, Ellie tries to put them off. Um, Am I doing a good job of this? I don't think I'm doing a good job of <laughs> you, this. You're doing every line of the TV show, so <laughs> you can keep doing it if you want. Well, pretty much Ellie tries to get away. She gets caught um, and then they're going to kill her. And David's like, no, you don't kill her. And then they're like, go fucking find this dude. Um, and Joel's dying. And so then they go try to find Joel. And Joel is like, again, ultimate badass as well. Just like knife to the neck on like no health. No, he got the, he got the health bar with the uh, antibiotic straight in the wound because he was like, on death's door when she ran away saying, I'll lead him off. And then two minutes later, some guy's in the basement where he is and he's jumping out of the shadows with a knife into the neck. Love it, right? And then he um, goes full torture mode. Well, this is the this is one of the notes that I've got where it's like Joel's Abu Grade in the post-apocalyptic world. What's the, uh, do, you wanna, knife... do you want to explain what Abu Grade is? Do you, do, you, do you not know what Abu Ghraib is? I'm pretty sure it's uh, torture to do with uh, the Iraq War. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. I think it was Iraq. Yeah, yeah, it was just their their torture prison, pretty much. Um, the the knife to the knee. What did you think about that? Um, I I wanted to look away but couldn't. Um, Joel stabs a guy in the knee in his knee while he's sitting down, and then essentially says, "You tell me where I need to go to find Ellie, or I'm going to pop your kneecap out." I was like, oh, please tell him where to go. I don't want to see a kneecap get popped out. I loved it. I loved it so much. It made me think, you know who could have also pulled off this scene of this like 
proper unhinged father. Well, obviously, like Mel Gibson. Uh, oh, I also uh, think um, like- Kari Lake's best friend, Mel Gibson. Did you What's see that? that? Mel Gibson no. just had uh, today. He had lunch with uh, far right MAGA Republican cheerleader oh. Kari Lake, and um, they were probably discussing some racist uh, thoughts and what to do with it. So I can't believe just I was going to say something about it at some point and what you thought of it, and you were just like, "Yeah, Mel Gibson could pull this off." Pull <laughs> the unhinged. I'm, I'm talking '90s Mel Gibson, and the other one I was thinking was like Russell Crowe. But but between Russell Crowe in between Gladiator and Russell Crowe, um, like photos in the Daily Mail where he's like his guts out of there. Somewhere in between there, I think Rusty could have nailed this scene. Um, he made that movie two years ago, uh, which I think is literally called Unhinged, where he plays yeah. a road rage. Uh, well, wasn't that the first one post-pandemic? <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, so anyway, this yeah. This is yeah. what's going to get people back to the cinema. <laughs> Fat Russell Crowe playing an unhinged road rage man. Um, <laughs> That's just Rusty on a Sunday morning in Potts Point. Throwing phones at people. Was that yeah, him? Was that him? South of Lost. Was that him yeah. or Mel Gibson? No, that's that was Rusty. You you know what? You know why he threw the phone? No, oh, go ahead. Is it is it a good excuse? What is it? Well, no, because I, I, there was something about like getting a phone connection, or he's trying to call home. I think to his, I think his ex wife, but wife at the time. And I think the the guy who worked for the hotel was like, yeah, whatever, which is like equivalent of like fuck you mate um and then rusty threw the phone at him for like yeah whatever how good is that oh my god but really just See, hitting hitting the nail on the head of unhinged australian actors i think this might have been also the time when he might have been having like an affair with um meg ryan maybe oh, yep. and broke up who was meg ryan married to dennis quaid. dennis quaid there you go um yeah i've just got unhinged russell crowe shit a younger rusty would would be a great joel um oh how about we move to david yeah so david um, david and cannibals david and the cannibals brings ellie back and she that sounds like a band from daisy and the six david and the cannibals are they all gaunt ex-members of kings of leon i don't see why not wouldn't that be a good sort of like kings of leon tribute band (laughs) david and the cannibals so yeah david brings ellie back for two people (laughs) We're doing a real Australian-centric... Um... The jokes are for me and for you, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll give them one for them later. This is still just this is still one for us, at least yeah. until the 50th podcast. Um, Ellie, see, Ellie is in a cage at David's place and sees an ear on the floor, and we learn that rather than actually hunting elk, David and only two people out of this entire community know that they're not keeping the bodies of people that die. They're chopping them up and eating them. Uh, what did you think of that dinner scene in the steakhouse? You, I didn't realize at the time, and then you real, oh, really, yeah, and then you realize after because there was a point where someone brings in a tray to their chef and it's got a heap of meat on it, and she's like, "What's this?" and he says, "Elk," and then they both just kind of look at each other, and I thought she was just kind of like, "Where'd you get the elk from?" Oh, it's the new hunting thing until they go out and bring the deer back in. I'm like, oh, it wasn't elk. Okay. That was a lot of human meat. I had forgotten from the game because I'd I'd, a while since I played it. But then like, as soon as you saw how they were eating, it's almost like, 
um, that's that's got to be human meat. What else could this poss- possibly be? Why else show it in this detail? And I also thought David, who is definitely by this point creepy, but not an outright bad guy and claiming to be a preacher and everyone kind of looks at him and looks up to him. Did you notice that he gets a massive plate of food compared to everyone else's rations? Portion. Like he's, he's all- just specifically enjoying the human meat. It's not that he he's hungry more than anybody else if he's been eating that good. He's getting a huge portion, but did you also see where he sits? He's then claiming the role of the, the father. That they're eating, also, that they are currently and, eating. Yeah, and also what the husband of this bereaved woman, where it's almost like, this, this guy doesn't fuck around. He's, um, he's sitting between the wife and the daughter of the man who died two days ago that he just chopped up and served them without them knowing. And he's like, I'm, I'm your daddy now. Because I've got, I've got a little bit of him in me, apparently. Rubs up. Rubs up. <laughs> like a good daddy I provide. I, I, I think the guy who's playing this is doing a sensational job because he's single-handedly the scariest thing in the show so far to date. And that's a show with zombie cordyceps in it. Like, it's phenomenal. But mind you, like I, don't, I can't think of anything more scarier than a pedophile cannibal. Um, I'm just trying to figure out who the actor was. Is HBO? Oh, I can't find it. Scott Shepard, just to shout him out. Not that he's going to listen to this, but Scott. What's he been in? Let's do it. Let's let's do the Scott Shepard. Um, nothing that I've ever seen, but apparently a really really good character actor. But he, you, you. He's been in. Oh, he was in the Newborn, Bridges Spies, X Men Dark Phoenix. That was bad. He's in Side Effects. He's just a, he's just got a kind of like a a nice old man face. He's got this receding ginger hairline. You're kind of like, yeah, this, this guy's all right. Blah blah blah. Um, doesn't seem threatening. Doesn't seem threatening. And like they play it really well for a little while. Obviously, you knew playing the game, but for me, I didn't know we were about to get um, sexual deviant killer priest cannibal David. Um, yeah. Because uh, we got sidetracked, but at one point, uh, Ellie, who's 14 years old, he puts his hand out and essentially offers to um, make her his bride so that they can rule this rule. this small town of sad people together. There's nothing to rule, mate. And then Ellie, uh, Ellie gives, I think, one of the best lines in the show where he's walking out after a, an altercation and she's like, Ellie, it's like, what'd you say? She's like, you can tell the people that Ellie's the name of the girl that broke your finger and your fucking, your fucking finger. finger. Sorry, I can't leave, can't leave that out. <laughs> Which I thought was awesome. And then uh, they essentially try to kill her and eat her like everybody else until she delays them by showing them that she's infected, which they don't believe, but it gives her enough time to get away. And then her and David have a big fight out. Uh, where Can I just make one quick cameo point? Yep. So when old mate from Kings of Leon is standing over on the butcher's table with David, that is the guy who played Joel in the game. I did hear that, yes. Uh, Troy Baker. Yeah. Who is now, uh, much like us, an incredible podcaster because he hosts uh, HBO's official podcast for this show. Uh, They have a fight. Ellie proceeds to win and then butcher David to pieces. We don't see it. It's kind of below screen, but she has a giant meat cleaver and she chops down probably a dozen times to squelch in sound. 
then runs outside and Joel turns up just in time to do nothing but give her a hug and call her baby girl, which I thought was really cute. And that's direct from the game as well. What I liked about the episode is effectively it's a horror episode. Yeah, yeah, it was. The, 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 there is playing with genre throughout the series where you look at episode three, you look at episode seven. These are, well, that episode seven is this teen sort of thing going on where it's almost like this relationships that we've always seen in sort of film and television about teenage relationships. And then you look at episode three where it's almost like it's this love story. That was one of the best like this- romance dramas made yeah. in the middle of this zombie apocalypse show. And then this is full. It's not well. It is horror, and it is hardcore. Like Thriller. when they say it's the last of us, it's like is it the last of the badasses? Really, that's what's happening in this. Show. Yeah, and that's and it's really setting up like Joel's awesome, and he's done some terrible things, and he did to two guys in this episode. But like Ellie is since she's left the QZ, she is getting fucked up. Um. And really kind of taking that to the next level and learning how to survive with or without Joel. And it's just such good television. I can't believe there's only one episode left. And then knowing HBO will probably wait another year and a half before we get the second season. I can't wait to see like how fucked up you're going to be after the finale. Uh, the, the one thing I wanted to say, just to wrap it up, is like when she walks out of the steakhouse, she has like butchered David. She is like unleashed fury out on this, and it's so guttural. It's the, the scream that she has, and she's it's cathartic what she's doing. But then, like, she walks out of it. There's only a bit of blood on her shirt and a bit of blood on her face. She should be fucking drenched in it. <laughs> uh, it's almost like it's. A, like, did you, like, did a sauce bottle explode or something? Like, that's what it looks like. Someone just tripped and knocked a little bit of sauce over her. Yeah. Yeah, because she did, she did hammer down with a cleaver, like, 12, 15 times, um, which I think David deserved it. So, it's okay. Um, I wanted to just pick up, back up on sort of The Last of Us. What's been your favorite location of the series so far? Because it's something that we're, because we're, it's nomadic, it's moving from place to place. We're seeing such great locations. I thought, I really liked when we switched to the snow, when we got, I think between, yeah. I don't know if it was, I think between five and six, we got um, the, from Kansas yeah, to and it was like four months later. And when they turn up at that, um, in uh, the couple the old couple, the Native the, Americans, yeah, the Native yeah. Americans, and they turn up there. I thought that was cool. Just them. I like the idea of this old Native American couple who's essentially lived in this hut in the middle of nowhere for twenty years, living off the land, living yeah. off, and just like throwing jokes at each other, and they clearly love each other, but also hate each other. And I thought that was cool. Um, and then any time a post-apocalyptic show does a city, so like Ep Two um, with Joel, Tess, and Ellie kind of walking through Boston was cool. Mm-hmm. Why do you bring it up? I really. No, it's just because I actually chucked on The Last of Us 2 the other day just for like, I played half an hour and then just turned it off. I just wanted the nostalgia hit, but like, I really love the locations because I, I thought um, Silver Lake with the steakhouse is such a great location. Yeah, that was. Jackson is a town. It's just like, I just want to hang out there. The I, commies. Like, I just want to like, yeah, I thought that was great. And then the Boston QZ and what's happening with Fedra at the school and stuff, all of these are just such great locations where it's almost like you just want to sort of dig around and explore what's happening in these places. Well, that, I think that's a 
good place to end it is as a last conversation point is what this show is doing very unique to other general shows in general, but specifically apocalypse shows is every single episode is a different place and they're spending the money. They're spending the HBO money. Like you said at the start, this section is four hours in the game. It could have been two or three episodes and they're like, yeah. no, nah, we're going to give you 55 minutes of the most intense fucked up shit and then they're going to reunite and they're going to go on to the next thing. And some people might not enjoy that. I think I think that's like the strongest part of the show. And I think that's sort of going back to our criticisms of The Mandalorian where it's almost like, I think our critique is it's almost like we're doing the same things again. We're going back to Tatooine. Keeps going back. We're going back to, we're going back to Navarra. And it's almost like, do we need to do this? Is this essential? Can't I'm just waiting for the show to start. And the thing is like The Last of Us doesn't wait for you. It's already down the road. Yeah. Uh, I think we can wrap it up there. The Last of Us, one ep to go. So we'll be back next week to talk about that. Uh, uh, while we were recording this, Usman Khwaja got his 100. I know he's a big listener to this as well, so congrats, Uzi. We were there for you when it happened. Can we, like, we'll tag him? I'll uh, send him an email and ask if he can be part of the podcast as well. We'll do a double feature. <laughs> See what Uzi thinks of everything everywhere. He's actually pretty prolific on Instagram, so he might respond. We'll do it. There you All go. right. Good talking to you. See you later. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Bye. See you later.